Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. It's, a, it's an honor to come before you and, you know, acknowledging that, you know, Christ is the, the head of my life and, uh, you know, all that he's done for me. I'm really humbled to be able to stand and and uh, share a word with you. And um, But we do thank Aaron and Beth who, you know, do such a great job leading us. And, you know, I, I told them this morning, they're, they're not just sleeping in this morning. They um, are actually serving um, at another place, tremendous opportunity for them, and so we're thankful that they're able to um, share Christ with us and, and with others. So we just continue to lift them up for all they do here and what they're doing today. And, um, so we're, we're picking up in our series 9 to 5, uh, you know, trying to identify, like, where is God in, in the workplace? And So let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, went to work or uh, been to work and you feel like God didn't show up. Uh, you know, maybe you feel like God was distant or even absent from what you were doing at that particular moment on your job. and Or, or maybe we've encountered temptations all around us or maybe there's been opportunities to cut corners uh, when nobody else seems to care or... or uh, Nobody else is paying attention. You know, or sometimes maybe at the workplace there's conversations that take place that, uh, you know, maybe not uh, be focused on God. And we want to be a part of the coworkers, and we find ourselves engaged in, you know, some of these things. And, you know, all the while we uh, believe that God is a sovereign God, and and he is in all things. And we even, uh, for, for I would say most of us, believe that, you know, it's God's sovereignty that even placed us in the job in the first place. So uh, when we endure this, what do we do? You know, where do we find God in the workplace? And so this is a great series, and we're continuing. Uh, last week, Aaron kind of laid some groundwork from the foundation of the Old Testament of work being established. And this week we're going to kind of look into the gospel uh, account the, through the New Testament of where God is in the workplace. And if we find times where it's hard to recognize God in our daily jobs, we, we first have to understand that we need to sometimes at the workplace, change our perspective, change our view, change how we see it, and um, change the, the idea that the workplace is not only a place of work, but it's a place where God wants to work in us, and God wants to work through us. Um, but even deeper, I, I think for a lot of us, uh, we have to know that God will use our workplace to conform us and continue to transform us um, closer to the image of what Christ would want us to be. Um, he may feel distance at times at work, but I promise you he's, he's not. From the very beginning, Aaron spoke last week about, you know, he, the Bible assures us that God is involved in our lives every day. He cares about what we're doing, even at our jobs. And 
God remains involved in our lives. And as children, uh, you and me, his children, God is with us. And we can see throughout the Bible that God promises that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And I want to take a moment out of um, the book of Genesis. So we're going to step way to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, chapter 28, 15. There's a, a story involving a person named Jacob. And Jacob is given a tremendous job to do. And in fact, at the time, his name is Jacob, and who later gets renamed Israel, who has 12 children that become the children of Israel, who in turn become the nation of Israel. And so at this particular time in scripture, God is telling Jacob, okay, Jacob, now I got a job for you. And so we think our job is difficult at times, but imagine that. God's saying, I'm going to use you to build an entire nation. And that's, you know, that's stress. Um, but God promises Jacob in Genesis 28, 15, he says, I will never leave you. And he goes on to tell him, and this is something I want us to, to take with us and apply it at our workplace. But as a child of God, God said to Jacob, he said, the ground that you are on, the ground in which you work is blessed ground, that I'm going to bless it. And you know, that promise is ours today. The ground that we go to work on is blessed ground, not because of us, but because of God. And we need to stand on that blessed ground and understand that we have that same promise. And, you know, because of the job, Jacob, I'm sure, um, needed that promise from God that he would never leave him. Um, he needed to be comforted and reassured because I would imagine like trying to build a nation, like that might be, that might be difficult. There might be uh, troubles and difficulties and stress and, and, and questions. And, and um, so at the time when Jacob is questioning God, God promises that I will never leave you and I will bless the work you're doing. And and so, let's step forward now to the New Testament in, in the book of Hebrews. Now, at this time, what they're doing in, in, in Hebrews is they're reaching back centuries into the Old Testament and grabbing a promise from God and bringing it to their time and applying it to their lives. And, and, and that promise is in Hebrews 13, 5. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And they're quoting the promise from Genesis. And, and, and we have the same promise today. We have the same ability, just like they uh, reached back centuries and grabbed a promise and applied it to their lives. We can do the same thing. We reach back into the New Testament, even into the Old Testament, and we grab this promise that God will never leave us and never forsake us, especially in the difficulties of our workplace. And so what Jacob did was took a a stone, which was his pillow, but the next day he, he, it became a pillar. It became a pillar of promise, a, a, a monument, something, something that reminded him of the promise that God would never leave him and God would never forsake him. And, 
And so I challenge us today that understand first on our jobs and our workplace where life gets difficult and stressful. First of all, understand that God will never leave you. God is involved in your life and he will bless the ground of your workplace. Set up a pillar of promise. Set up something on your workplace, whatever that might be. Just a reminder that God is with you. Whatever, whatever thing, you need to be reminded that God has promised to bless the work that you do. Set up a pillar of promise, whatever that might be for you, especially at the workplace, just to let us know that God is always involved with us. Um, and, and I like um, the, the, the Greek construction of, of Scripture, but... You know, if we look deeper into it, how they constructed their sentences back when the New Testament was written, it, it, they would take negative words like standing alone, the word never, leave, forsake, take on a negative connotation. But Greek construction of scripture, when you put these words together, when you put two or three or four or five together, they take on the opposite meaning. So when you put never, leave and forsake, it takes on the meaning of not only can you know, but positively 100% be assured that I will never leave you and never forsake you. That's a great promise. And, and I need that promise when I, uh, you know, do the things that I do on a, on a weekly basis. You know, I need the promise that God is going to be with me and God is going to bless the work that I do. And and I'm sure that all of us need that at our workplace. So where is God when the job gets tough or when the job gets stressful? Where is God when others neglect us or they neglect the work we're doing? What do we do when no one else wants to acknowledge a God on our jobs? Where is God at the workplace? You know, this morning we're going to look at Four areas where God is using us and using our jobs, our workplaces. Um, and God is using the difficulties and the pressures of the jobs in order to focus toward him. And to remind us, positively remind us that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us, especially on our workplace. So as Christians, we, 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 uh, we're going to look at four things. And the first being, God uses our workplace to focus our faith. God uses our workplace to focus our faith. And there are no meaningless moments in life when it is lived through the view of the light of his glory. Outside of the light of his glory, we've all probably experienced moments in our lives when, yeah, you know, no big deal. That really was a meaningless moment. But viewed through the, the lens of God's glory, there is no meaningless moment. Everything takes on a purpose. And, you know, God created us to live for him and for his glory, to honor God in all that we do. And that ultimately becomes our work, even in the workplace. So while you're at work, there's a greater work to do. Um, 
first verse I'd like to look at is this, uh, from the Apostle Paul. He's writing uh, in the First Corinthians chapter 10, 31. It tells us, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now that's all-encompassing. Whatever you do, especially when you're at work, do it all to honor and glorify God. And so in light of that, we don't ultimately work for our own pleasure. We don't work for our own entertainment. We don't work for our own self-improvement. And we don't work for our own financial gain. Now, all those things take place, and all those things are important in life. However, that's not the greater work. The greater work, when viewed from the perspective of his glory, is to honor and glorify God even at the workplace. All that we do, that's the greater work, is to honor God. And from this point of view, difficulties become opportunities and pressures become possibilities to honor God. You know, glorifying God is not meant just for Sundays uh, as we come and we gather and we sing. Now, it's, it's easy to glorify God on Sundays. You know, we all come together and we fellowship and we come in like mind and like spirit. This is real easy to lift God up and praise him. But, but it's meant for every day. It's meant for Mondays and Tuesdays and, you know, throughout the week. It's meant for the difficult parts of our lives, especially when that happens at work. So when we look back at the, the, the saints of the Bible, we, we, under, we can see that they understood this concept. And we can learn from them because they glorified God while they were shipwrecked. They glorified God while they were in jail. They glorified God while they were herding sheep. And they glorified God while they were serving meals and they glorified God while they were pulling in net after net of fish. And they glorified God while all alone out in the field just sowing seed. And, and so their greater work became honoring and glorifying God. And, and I'm sure in each of those jobs that they were doing and situations that they found themselves in, I'm sure there were difficulties and, and discouragements. And yet they glorified God and so can we. You see, it's God's glory that enables us and it motivates us to endure the difficult times and work through the jobs that we do. His glory reminds us that there's an ultimate and greater reward waiting that's much more satisfying than just receiving a paycheck. That paycheck's important. You know, we live off those paychecks but there's a greater reward. And Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, from a human perspective, this is the Apostle Paul whose testimony, if he was to share his testimony, it would list seemingly unbearable uh, difficulties and sufferings and burdens. And for him to say this is all, all the stuff that he endured, he says it's just a light affliction in comparison to the weight 
of his glory. Like and so let's contrast these two words. Light, not a light like this, but light meaning not heavy, compared to weight meaning really heavy. And Paul's saying this, what we endure on a daily basis, whether it be at, at our jobs or, or our daily lives, that is just a light affliction and it's momentary. It's a momentary thing compared to the weight of his glory. We have a greater reward than just surviving a day. It's a light affliction coming from the Apostle Paul, all that he went through. You know, kind of makes me think like what I go through compared to what's waiting in glory. Like we should, we can endure that. Reflecting on God's glory helps us focus our faith and that helps us to transform all the facets of our lives, especially while we're at work. And so God will use the workplace to focus our faith. And um, the second point is God will use the workplace to focus our hearts. The Apostle Paul, again, was um, compelled and controlled by the love of Christ in his heart. And for those that may not know the whole story, the Apostle Paul was the person who his job prior to an encounter with Christ was to try to kill out and do away with this Christ movement that was going on. But when he had an encounter with Christ, when Christ now became a part of his heart, his whole purpose, his whole work changed. And he was compelled and controlled by the love of Christ in his heart. And so the love of Christ and the gospel changed the work of Christ um, starts inward. See, it starts in here inside of us. And, and as it begins to develop inside of us, it'll slowly begin to figure out a way to work out of us towards other people. And so the, 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 the work that Christ does in us somehow will work out to affect other people. And when we feel unappreciated at work or when we get beaten down emotionally or we get uninspired on the job or we get tempted to give up or put out a subpar performance to a boss that might be abrasive or rude, or uh, that is when we have to remember that, first of all, God will never leave us. Remember, the ground that we're on is, is blessed by him. But here's another verse of, of great inspiration from Colossians 3.22. It, it reminds us, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not unto man. So when the boss gets rude, when the job gets difficult, when the deadlines come, the, the pressures come, remember that ultimately you're working for the Lord, not for man, not for the company, not for the boss, but for God. You know, our work is not done for those around us. Yes, it affects everybody around us, but ultimately it's for the glory of our Heavenly Father. And, and it's only from the heart that we can rest in that reality. You see, when we're motivated from the heart's position with Christ, we there's, there's no distinction be, between secular and sacred. 
Now, I know for me, uh, I sometimes try to separate the two. Like, this is worldly stuff, and this is sacred, godly stuff. But from the perspective of honoring and glorifying God, it all becomes sacred. There is no distinction between the two. Everything, the Bible said, whatever you do, do it to honor and glorify God. So everything becomes sacred, especially the workplace. So if you've ever felt uninspired on your job or uh, because of hardships or you feel uh, overwhelmed by burdens and deadlines, I want you to consider this hopeful passage. And this is like, this is way beyond uh, deep. This is, it's from Hebrews 12 too. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And when you think about this, there's no greater work that ever will be done than the work that Jesus did to accept the work of the cross. And it says, for the joy. Like, what joy is there in dying on a cross? You know, and there was a time in the Garden of Gethsemane where the human nature side of Jesus you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's, you know, it's like, like God, like, I'm really not trying to do this. Like, man, I've got to die. Like, but nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's the joy in difficult and hardship. Where do we find joy on the job when it gets difficult? The joy is understanding that whatever I have to face, let me do it. Because it's God's will in my life, not my own. That's the only way we can take joy through difficulties. And, and Christ gave us the greatest example. You know, it was the Romans who put Jesus on the cross. But it was love and, and the condition of his heart that endured it. He could have come off any time he wanted. But it was his heart's place with Christ that kept him up there. Because he loved you and he loved me and he loved the world. You know, our jobs might put us in a place of conflict and difficulty. And, you know, um, so is the position of our heart enough to endure it? God uses the workplace to focus our hearts. And the third point, God uses the workplace to focus our hands. See, our hands are the instruments of our hearts. They're able to express outwardly what we believe inwardly. Our work and our workplace then become an offering to God and, and, and it's carried out through the work that we do. Romans 12, 1, and this is probably pretty familiar to, to most of us. It says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, the only acceptable offer is to present ourselves completely to God, even at work, even during the difficulties. It says it's your reasonable service. You know, reasonable, um, the Greek definition means logical it's only logical that after all that he did for me that 
I could do for him. That's the least I could do. Is endure a little hardship at work. Endure some frustrations. That's a reasonable service. And you know it's because of all that he did. That's what they mean by the mercies of God. Because of all that he did for me. The very least I can do is do for him. No matter what that costs me. But if our work is always done for promotion and recognition and advancement, we'll always find disappointment and discouragements along the way. See, God is always worthy of us doing great things for him each and every day, not as a job, but as an act of worship, as an act of service because of all that he did for us. God will use the workplace to focus our hands And the final point is God will use the workplace to focus our love. Sometimes, you know, it's it's hard to love at work. Um, And it's just not what we do that matters or what makes a difference, but it's how we do it that really has the lasting effect. And last week, for those that were here, Aaron spoke about Chick-fil-A. Now, um, for me, a chicken sandwich is a chicken sandwich. You know, I I can get a chicken sandwich anywhere and it's going to taste good. But the way in which a chicken sandwich is presented at Chick-fil-A is different than anywhere else. It's, It's not necessarily for me what they give me, it's how they go about giving it to me that makes the difference. Um, now, Aaron, on the other hand, he's, you know, he's not going to take that stance. It's, it's Chick-fil-A or nothing with Aaron. But, but how it's presented makes a difference. And, you know, our work and how we do our work always affects other people. Um, there, there are some people who have achieved great things in life, and they ran right through and right over people in order to achieve it. And our work should always, always serve others and never run over them or never run through them in pursuit of fulfilling a job. We serve others by what we make and what we do and and not only what we make but how we make it. Not only what we do but how we do it. We serve others by what we do and how we do that job. So how do we do this when difficulties come and pressures come and deadlines come and I'm frustrated and I don't feel like getting up and going to work today and you know the you know the job has just been stressing me out you know what do we do you know our work ought to always be empowered by the Holy Spirit it's easy to say and it's not always lived out but Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Again, this is going to be a very familiar passage. But Galatians 5, 22, and, um, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
So let's just let's say them again and, and think about these. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, can you imagine at the workplace that if everywhere we worked, everyone were working under these characteristics? Like, what a workplace that would be. Let me give you a little bit of hint. Like, you know what that's going to be like? That's going to be like heaven. When everybody's under the same operating system. That's what heaven's going to be like. <clears throat> but I haven't worked a job yet where I found this to be the case all the time. But imagine if it was. And that's ultimately our work as Christians, as followers and believers of Christ. That becomes our work. It begins with us. If you want a, a company, if you want a, a job, if you want a responsibility at work to have these characteristics, well, first, pray for it. Secondly, seek it out. But most importantly of all, live it. Do it. Begin that. And if you haven't done it, there's nine characteristics. I wouldn't expect anybody to go to work and have all these mastered tomorrow. But just pick one. Start there. Love somebody the best you know how. Be joyful. Be at peace in your own life so people can see that. Be long-suffering. Be kind and be good and be faithful and be gentle. Have self-control. That's our work. That's where it begins. And You know, the love of God and the finished work of Christ, when all that takes place in your heart, it's always going to move us in a place of influence. So when that takes place in you, and you start to understand all that Christ has done for you, you're going to be in a place to influence somebody else by that. You know, maybe the reason that you're in an office or you're at a workplace with people who have little regard for God or little regard for the products they produce or, or the way uh, they work is so that you can be an influence to them. Maybe that's the greater work. Yes, the job has to get done. Yes, the paycheck has to come. Yes, the deadlines are going to come. But maybe the greater work is to have a godly influence on those that he has placed you around. Show them how to take pride in a service or a product just because you know it affects other people. Show them how to love Show them peace. Show them joy. Show them all these characteristics that the fruit of the Spirit offers. And maybe they don't have the same motivation to work or to understand how to work from a positive direction. Yeah. They may not know how to love other people at the workplace. And, but for those that do experience difficulties and hardships, maybe there's pressure, maybe there's difficulties, maybe there's chaos at the workplace because so many people have nothing but the job to trust in. 
That's all they know. They need a greater focus. They need love. And as Christians, we're the one that can show them that. That ultimately becomes the work while we're doing the work. God can use our workplace to focus our love. So kind of as we conclude this for this week, we remember Aaron spoke last week and he said that Sunday, uh, Sundays are about teaching us how to handle Mondays and Tuesdays and throughout the week. And um, remember that God is at work in you as much on Mondays as he is on Sunday mornings. And as we come in here and the, like this is easy to worship God. But what about Monday? God is with you just as much then, if not more. Take all that you enjoy on Sundays, all that you take part in with you to work. Share the things that's going on in church. You got a great opportunity this week. Here's a real simple way to share something. Man, we're having church at the park. Come eat some chili. Simple. Share what's going on in your church, in your life. Ask them if you can pray for anything. Ask them to join you. Maybe not stop right that moment and pray, but just say, hey, join me in praying for the growth of this company. Join me that we can, you know, better love each other. Influence other people. You know, of course, at times there's going to be pressures and there's going to be deadlines and there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be conflicts and But the challenge for each of us is, will we allow God to work in us and through us during these times? And when there's no other option, just live it. You know, something I always love this right here. You know, because I I, I think sometimes as Christians, we it's I don't know if it's intimidation or uncertainty, but sometimes we don't know exactly what to say, and so we don't say anything, and we just kind of go along. And but the greatest message ever spoken is a life lived. So if you don't know what to say or how to say it, live it. Live love, live joy, live peace, live kindness, live goodness, live faithfulness, live self-control, live all those things. Just live it the best you can. If you, if you get home at the end of the day and you realize, man, I didn't love anybody today at work. You know, I just messed it all up. That's okay. Lord, give me another chance. Go to work Tuesday and love them better. Show them. Because ultimately... Honoring God and loving people is what we're called to do. You know, God wants us as Christians and followers and believers to glorify him in everything we do, especially at our workplace. And after all, it's said that we spend almost a third of our lives at work. That's a great portion of time to influence people. So God wants to use the workplace to focus our faith. He wants to use the workplace to focus our hearts. He wants to use the workplace to focus our hands. And he wants to use our workplace to focus our love. Let's use our workplace to influence others and allow them along the way to just possibly, through us, 
get a glimpse of Christ.